Welcome, welcome, welcome into another edition of New Track Record Podcast. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. We have plenty to dive into this week. A new sponsor for Alex Pillow. We have uh, things in the works as far as Ganassi and um, a shot that that new sponsor took in Andretti. Oh, and we have the whole Honda engine thing. You know, that that whole yeah. thing. Huh, I didn't hear about that. <laughs> So uh, we'll we'll get to that in a bit. First off, hi Justin. Hello. We're getting to the end of the year, and usually this is when it's more quiet for IndyCar. It has been anything but the last couple of weeks for, for all IndyCar. the wrong reasons, or the yes. majority of the wrong reasons. This is the one step forward, two steps back phase of the off season, which we hadn't had the last couple off seasons. Right? We were kind of avoiding those, but now not we're, not to this extent. Not to this extent. Not to what we see. Um down the road what potentially could happen but a lot to get to this week so of course we start off with the honda news and the article that was almost a friday at five uh news i was drop. thinking about that too it was kind of a friday it, it, at it came out at, at 4 p.m eastern in fact that's the timestamp on racer.com the headline uh, from the article written by marshall pruitt honda wing indycar exit after 2026 unless costs are reduced obviously that incited panic among the indycar fan base and rightfully so and a lot of times you look at this stuff, look, Ferrari threatens this in F1 with stuff all the time, right? And you think, oh, it's just Ferrari being Ferrari. Yeah, it's just but the problem is, but this is not Honda, posturing. Honda is Honda. Honda's been with the series now for 30 years. They have been a, a key competitor, you know, between CART, IRL, slash IndyCar over that time frame since they announced their return uh, to the U.S. in 1993. IndyCar desperately needs a third manufacturer. Honda essentially calling them out over the costs and needing the third OEM, which is has to be priority number one for IndyCar, and I, I would hope it has been. Remember, they've come close over the last handful of years. Porsche, Ferrari, which I, I don't really think was actually that close. Toyota was rumored for a long time, even up until last year. Um, and then was there another one that was kind of thrown out there? Those are the big three. BMW, I don't think that ever got no. very far. But th- those were the Porsche, Ferrari, and Toyota. Toyota were the three. And any of those would have been huge boosts for the series. Uh, they've been trying to get that third OEM since Lotus came in and left very quickly in 2012, and they were completely uncompetitive. So th- this is what's at play. And, and Honda's asking for a lot. Um, as far as the ownership and uh, the American Honda Motorsports manager, Chuck Schiffsky, uh telling Racer with some of these quotes, and, and this is where I think it looks really bad for IndyCar. We're looking for a wholesale change to the engine regulations so that we can eliminate fives and tens of millions of dollars of annual technical costs. Because if we don't, then it's too much money. And we'll go do something else. That something else could be NASCAR or a further investment in our Formula One effort or something that isn't motorsports at all so this isn't just uh, a couple hundred thousand savings we're talking about fives and tens of millions of dollars basically honda is tired of carrying the series and it is a much more active partner than chevy is because make no mistake not just are they doing honda uh engine development of course but they're sponsoring events they do a lot of advertising right at events and and during events there's a lot of and money with indycar tie-ins on their correct ads, which yes. anymore they're accurate ads I see all the time that have an IMSA yes, car, a sports which, car on it. Which is another issue, I think, with the success that IMSA is having with its OEMs and bringing in uh, more of them. But I think it's for a long time, IndyCar has just said, well, we're, we're, well they took Honda for granted, basically. And, and now Honda has, has, has reached a point where they're, they're done. They're effectively done in spending this much money. And I think the core issue in my mind is the series is asking its OEMs, Chevy and Honda to spend and lose millions of dollars to support the series. Yet the ownership of the series refuses to spend and lose millions of dollars to support the series. That's the core issue here. In my opinion is the series asks people to invest 
and potentially lose on their investments because we know every engine lease is a money loser. Yes. Yet IndyCar refuses to take risks financially and lose money. And I think Honda's just tired of it. And I'm quite frankly, I'm surprised it took this long. So Pruitt points out that the costs to be an engine supplier, eight figures. So, you know, 10 plus million, right? Is that, is that, I'm yes, bad at math, but figures, I, I yep. believe that's what it is. So 10 plus million dollars. And I'm sure it's on the higher end than just 10 million itself. Now, third OEM comes in, it fixes all these problems. IndyCar thought they had everything set up good to go with Toyota. That fell through. And that's why IndyCar is in this situation. And and I think the other thing is, and, and Shifsky even mentions this. Look, if they go from supplying 15, 16, 17 cars to 9 or 10, and then for the Indy 500, you're looking at you know, 11, 12, maybe 13 max, Like that's much more manageable. That would reduce costs. And that's the, that's the easy fix. The hard part is getting that third OEM. They've had no luck. So you look at the history of both these OEMs, which have been in IndyCar as part of this new era since 2012. Honda was, of course, the lone engine supplier 2006 through 2011 in the series. But you've had the Aero Kits, 20, what, 14, and 15, 16, 16 17. 17. Yes. Um, and then now you have the ERS units, which we have a little bit additional news on that we'll get to later. But it went from being... You know, IndyCar touted, oh, these outside aerospace organizations and whatnot could come in and develop the aero kits. Who developed the aero kits? Honda and Chevy. Yeah. Oh, we have these outside companies that could come in. And IndyCar did have an outside company to develop the the ARS or the hybrid unit uh, that was set to take effect, well, a couple years ago, but again, push back to next season and now push back to sometime next season. We'll see if that plays out. But it was supposed to be male to take over and then that just disappeared. As Pruitt points out, like they were set to do it, they disappeared, and then who stepped up? Oh wait, Honda and Chevy again. <laughs> so they, at every turn, they're being asked yes, to do more, more and than more what they signed up for. And, and at I some always, point, there's a breaking point, and I think that's where we're at with Honda. And I always thought it would be Chevy that would blink first and be like, you know what, this is stupid. Uh, but it's but it's Honda, and you can bet that Chevy is looking at it, going, well, if Honda's out, I don't, we wouldn't want to be around here by ourselves, losing more and more millions of dollars. That's that's really the the singular focus for IndyCar in one day last Friday, at least publicly, became trying to lower costs. Everything else doesn't matter, and and the the focus on the third OEM hasn't worked. So should the focus shift to saving money, cutting costs with your two existing OEMs? I think we've said more often than not is you better make your two OE existing OEMs happy not worrying about add a third as much as as keeping your two happy. Well, at least one of them isn't happy. And you can bet that Chevy isn't very far behind. And because Honda has been invested longer and more money in the series than Chevy has. And it's fed up. So that means Chevy is probably close to that as well. This is a huge issue that needs to be recognized within IndyCar and maximum effort going not to finding a third OEM because that hasn't worked. It is how do you lower cost for your current partners or how do you make it more lucrative for those partners? That should be the focus as opposed to let's find somebody else that's willing to lose money and make engines for this series like you're asking Honda and Chevy to do. Well, and when you look at the timeline, 2026, you, you know, you it's like, oh, well, that's three seasons. Well, in reality, IndyCar needs to find someone essentially by the end of next season to be able to come in and, and to get there because Honda would make the decision to leave at the end of 2025, right? So IndyCar really, in theory, needs to have someone ready to go as a third OEM by the end of next season to start that process and have them ready for 2026. Which is not realistic. That is in my a opinion. very tight Unless timeline. you're going to Toyota and say, what's it going to take? And then giving concessions to Toyota. Whatever it would take. Let's say Toyota is your leader in the clubhouse, uh, most likely. Whatever they want. Whatever they want, give it to them. If you have to front $15 million of Roger Penske's money that he is so tremendously stingy in running this series and putting money into, then so be it. 
That's how big of an issue this is. But it, it just, it, I keep coming back to the fact that Honda is losing millions of dollars. Chevy's losing millions of dollars. And you have an ownership group that just refuses to take risks in losing millions of dollars. It, it's, it's not fair. And finally, it's coming to a head. So uh, Shifsky said, we still have about a year to make a decision on what to do. Uh, Mark Miles, when asked about all of this, said, you try to think a couple laps ahead on everything and we're confident that the sky wouldn't fall, but we also believe that we won't be faced with that situation. It's a lot of confidence. Well, he's towing the company line. I mean, yeah, we know it. And we'll, we'll get to do this discussion because people will call for Jay Fry's head and Mark Miles head. Like they're basically um, figureheads at this point. Like they have real no no real power anymore. They used to prior to Penske, but they really have the, the they're yes men now. Unfortunately, I think they're two two guys with very good uh, minds for their particular responsibilities that have been effectively neutered by the new ownership group. I mean, you remember Mark Miles and Jay Fry working together, put multiple a year plan. What remember that when we used to have a plan in IndyCar? <laughs> right. Wouldn't There's be never been a five year plan. There's never been a plan, and that's. And that's what IndyCar needs to develop for Honda. At the very least, you can say, okay, by 2027, this is what's going to be put. And then maybe Honda's like, okay, we can roll with that. But not even having a plan, I think. You, you, you don't, I, don't think I don't think you need to have a third OEM necessarily in by 2026 as much as you need to have a concerted step-by-step plan laid out to lower costs. And then Honda's like, okay, we'll stick around. But I don't even know if they're capable of that. No. It doesn't seem like it, right? Uh, that That's the part that I think is most frustrating is, you know, all of the work and progress that Jay Fry and Mark Miles made prior to Penske, it just keeps getting delayed. It's more and more marginalized by the ownership group that seemingly is is locked in its... It's almost like a a a a Penske Automotive or Penske Corporation is on the Titanic, and they've locked themselves in their first class stateroom, and they're surrounded by their cronies and their 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 lavish uh, digs, and are just avoiding the issue that the ship is sinking, because in their bubble, in their first class stateroom on the Titanic, everything is fine. And they have all their pals in there and they can talk about and they can credit each other on how great everything is. But outside of that door, outside of their little bubble, things are sinking. Kind of what I equate it to right now. Yeah. And, you know, eventually you have to be able to make some progress. And we've seen the opposite of that for quite some time. And again, IndyCar, where is it at if Penske's not in charge during 2020? Hard to say, but it's probably not positive. Right. But, but as, on the flip side, we're, we're far beyond right, that now. It's, it, we're going on four years. Mm-hmm. Since and then. so eventually you have to invest. And I know a lot of people point out, well, the first Indy 500, you know, you had no ticket sales, essentially. And everything was deferred at least a year and up to two. Yes, I understand that. But... Roger Penske kept investing in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway right. during that time. Because it's all he cares about. And 500 I, and, and, and I the think Speedway. That, that's a, a, an aspect of this that's not being talked about. And I think at the about. very least, if, if people are saying that, uh, then Roger Penske needs to come out and say, hey, you know what? I lost my ass the first couple of years, but this is what we're going to do. Okay. You know, we're finally starting to get in the black. Okay. We've stopped the bleeding. Next couple of years, we're going to do this, that, and the other. Like, we come back with a plan. Where's the plan? If Roger Penske just came out and was honest with people and not just us, but team owners, drivers, people within the IndyCar series that have next to no idea what's going on, much like we do, is if you would just come out and explain the situation, say, hey, I lost $25 million keeping this afloat through 2020, 2021, okay? I'm I'm recouping that and then this is what we're going to do. That would be something, but you're getting nothing. You are getting a group of people locked in their room on the Titanic that's sinking, people pounding on the doors going, we have a problem, we have a problem, and they're just ignoring it. And they're going to talk about the 2% growth on television and how the racing's the greatest in the world and on-track passing. (laughs) And social media numbers are up. 
Yes. But one of the core issue is you look at Formula One, more people, more OEMs investing in Formula One. Uh, NASCAR is what, at three? They were at four, they were at three, but they have a solid three, and there's sniffs around of other manufacturers maybe joining. Meanwhile, you have two manufacturers in IndyCar, and you'll soon, without making some serious changes, have just one. And I highly doubt Chevy is is really looking at a scenario where they're supporting the entire paddock with engines as something they want to do. So what's Honda's, you know, what's their idea? What's their plan? So Marshall Pruitt with a, a good article as he had a follow-up on that initial story on racer.com talking about some ideas to cut costs. And the first one's obvious, the development, the hybrid system, once that's done, and Shifsky even talks about it, he says, so the hybrid system, once it's up and developed and in the cars, you've worked out all the bugs and it debuts, the bulk of that development cost is finished. Everybody's using the same part. You can't mess with it. Teams can't take it to their super specialized dinos to trick out their super capacitor packs or any of that. So one could look at that and say that we should probably do the same thing with the ICE, the internal combustion engine, or it's a spec engine. Everybody runs the same engine. Ilmore could build that. So what Honda is... Honda would literally suggest going to their rival's engine builder, which is Ilmore, which happens to be co-owned by Roger Penske, and Ilmore builds the Chevy engines, and say, hey, we'll go to you for this as a way to save money. That's how desperate... And it's twofold. This is how desperate Honda is to stop losing money is that they'll let their rival build all the engines and two, maybe how dedicated Honda still wants to be to IndyCar is they would still participate in the sport if Chevy was designing the engines and basically badge it with their Honda software and try to find advantages there. But basically the same ice for everybody. Essentially spec engines, which... They already have spec chassis, they have spec right? Chassis, they have spec bodywork, and why not just have why spec not engines? Have spec engines. I mean, that's a that's a way to save money. And look, the it's this is the route IndyCar has gone for nearly twenty years now. It's not going back. We're not going to get no. Uh, it's, this is we're not having innovations. Not no. glory days. Okay, no. so it, quit quit talking about it because it's not coming back at the very least. And it's and quite frankly, you don't make money doing it. And IndyCar has made it more and more difficult to make money investing in the sport. They're out for themselves. This is outlooks. They're out for themselves first and foremost. I understand it. But when you're asking other people, other entities, other companies, um, other partners to take a major financial loss, then eventually that interest wanes, particularly with if, if, if IndyCar was getting 3 million people a, a race watching, then Honda would be like, you know what? It's probably worth to be in this series and and lose this money because there's a hell of a lot of people watching and it's good for our marketing. But there's not 3 million people watching per race. No. Uh, again, remember, as Pruitt points out, you used to have Cosworth branding all the engines, right? And Champ Car at one point. So, and you used to have Cosworth and IndyCar way back in the day. You used to have Cosworth in Formula One back in the day. Like, th- these are the routes to go about to save this kind of money. And, and attract other manufacturers because the price point is much lower and you could chop off a lot of the d- research and development, the R&D costs, and just focus on the marketing aspects, which IndyCar desperately needs to keep. Correct. So if you go to a spec engine with branded per OEM with its software package and whatever, then maybe you could bring in other OEMs. But you're also volunteering... Not not just a, a rival company, but a company that may have no interest in supplying 27 plus engines to the series. And it's almost, unfortunately, you're a victim of your own success in a way. Because IndyCar for so many years said, what we got to do? Well, we got to get the car count up, car count up, car count up. You did get the car count up. And now Honda's like, yeah, we're spending too much money. You have too many cars. <laughs> I mean, it's effectively what's going on. You have too many engines, which means too many cars. So IndyCar... Put a plan in place, and this is Jay Fry. Jay Fry was phenomenal at growing it, but the it was reliant on getting a third OEM, and they never were able to do it. And now, you have one that wants to leave, and for good reason. If you're looking at, you know, eight or nine engines per OEM with three, right? Like yeah. eight, eight, nine, or nine, nine, nine. I mean, nine, nine, and nine, nine, nine is nine twenty-seven. Would be perfect. Yes. Um, if, but if, instead, you have like. 15 and 12 or 15 and 14. And Honda usually carries the bulk. Correct. And that's their choice. But I think this this quote 
is especially telling uh, from Shifsky, again, of, of Honda. It's a scary one to think of, talking about Ilmore building their engines, uh, because we're an engine company, and all of a sudden we're not going to build our own engines. But you've got to look at what's happening with IndyCar and what's happening with NASCAR. And I didn't know this, but Ilmore uh, builds spec engines used by NASCAR in the Craftsman Truck Series, which is based on a Chevy engine that carries badging from, of course, Chevy and also Ford and Toyota. And I don't think anyone seems to care there. No, nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to know. And I'm sure Ford and Toyota add their their software and whatever to kind of give it their own feel. But by and large, they're all running spec engines. So this is this is the debate. And and I, I wonder if the light has finally gone on in the Penske Corp offices that there's major problems with this series or they're still living in denial. And, and, and basically, and I think Marshall Pruitt put it better in the mailbag, but basically rich people that aren't going to be told that they're wrong because everything they do is right. Because look at me, this is how I got here. What I say is how it goes. And I'm not necessarily saying Roger as much as the people around him. And I think, make no mistake, with with Roger, what, 86 years old? Mm-hmm. He's not running that corporation day to day like he used to, okay? There's other people that are running that. Not saying that Roger isn't part of every major decision, blah, 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 but he has other people working for him that are handling things. And I think there's a lot of arrogant people in that respect that, hey, this is the way we've done it. This is the way we've always done it. This is why we're a billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar company with a multi-billion-dollar owner. And... It's our way. And you know what? Pretty soon, you may have your jewel of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You may have your jewel of the Indianapolis 500, but you won't have a series to go with them. Yes. And another aspect in all of this, and you, you talked about you know, an investment. I, I think something we also need to point out, just to make clear, a lot of people want to blame Jay Fry, and they want to blame Mark Miles. Like, they're not their the reason. Fault. Like, yeah, it's not their fault here. They're doing what they're told to do within the parameters, and they can only do so much. I they don't have the freedom that they would have had in the pre-Pinsky era. Not at all. I'm sure they have a million ideas of what to do and what to try. Jay Fry was at the leading edge of trying things, and that was when IndyCar was practically broke and didn't have money and was losing buku money. Now it has a well-financed ownership group that refuses to invest. But anybody who tries to blame Mark Miles or Jay Fry, I don't give the time of day because they don't understand how the sport works and, and the, the really the hierarchy of what's going on within IndyCar. They so, have no power whatsoever. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what comes forward. IndyCar not really saying a whole lot publicly on this. Of course, they'll of course always not. point to social media growth, on track yeah. passes, and look 27 at cars. But you can only count on that for so long before people be like, where's the growth? You know, NASCAR has these big events. Formula One has these big events. Formula One is getting bigger and better TV ratings than any car in the U.S. outside the Indy 500. Yeah. At some point, you got to make a play here. And that's ultimately the issue that's been bumbling and and growing for quite quite some time. Remember last offseason, it was, you know, marketing exec let go. And then... Everyone's saying you got to market the sport better. And IndyCar took that advice and they did invest more money at the expense of the team. Yeah, they didn't invest more money. The they just reallocated yeah. money. Taking away 100K from each yes. leader circle spot. So this is just a, another thing. You have the video game fiasco uh, that's happened this offseason. And again, it comes down to report that, oh, there was someone high up in IndyCar who had a family member who work, worked for motorsport games. And that's why that deal was signed. That's why they wouldn't get out of the deal. Yeah, which is again, everyone saw it was failing as it was failing, except IndyCar, and then they finally got out when they had no choice. I tell you that being an FP or a, a Formula One feeder in America doesn't sound too bad right now with Liberty Media, does it? Well, you know they'll invest whether <laughs> you like the investments they make or not. At least they would throw money into the series, something that uh, Roger Penske refuses to do. He'll throw money into IMS and the Indianapolis Five Hundred but not into the series at large. And I think too is in Marshall Pruitt pointed out in his mailbag too, like the, the whole great racing thing. I've said it before. I said it last week. It's not as good as you think it is, but you could say the same thing about MX five racing and the ladder racing and, and cart racing, carting and, 
and dirt. I mean, there's great racing everywhere, right? But you can't thrive as a major series if that is your big selling point. Hey, we have really good racing. Your big selling point, unfortunately, in today's day and age, needs to be exposure, aka TV, social media, big and events. big big events like the Indy 500, and you need to develop other big events. Yes, Long Beach, I would throw in there. Road America, you could throw in there. Uh, but you need another marquee big event, and then also. Let's not forget attracting major brands as sponsors. I mean, that's the big thing is everything is reliant on on bringing in investment partners, whether it's uh, corporate marketing, advertising, whatever, in, in, investing in the series. That is the key is how do you make your series um, really attractive to prospective sponsors? and marketing entities and corporations and all that stuff. And quite frankly, IndyCar doesn't have it outside of the Indianapolis 500. But when your ownership group only focuses on one track and one race, um, then it's a trickle-down effect. And and we've said it too. Like Everybody says, well, you know, the team owners, they're, they're muzzled. They can't say anything. And, and I've reached the point, like, why? why, why what are they going to do? What, what is Roger Penske going to do if Kip Ganassi tomorrow came out and said, you know what, something's got to change because this is disastrous for IndyCar right now. Like, what are they going to do? So they fine him $50,000, whatever. But if everybody came out, if all 10 team owners came out and called a group press conference and sat up uh, in, front of the, in front of everybody and, and basically said it as a collective that said this needs to change. We've seen team owners throughout open wheel history <laughs> rebel time and time again. Why is this any different? Why are they so terrified of Roger Penske and Penske Corp? What are they really going to do? They got to kick him out of the series. Yeah, no, they, they can't afford to do that. I mean, yeah, I guess they can find them behind the scenes, but uh, again, but if you came out with all 10, like you're going to, mm, you're going to, you're going to find, find all 10 of them. No, no, you're not going to, because it'd be terrible PR. And, and, the, the team owners actually have the power play here in the sense that they can go to the media because the media is going to be on their side. Yeah, which, they want to tell these uh, stories. Again, we've seen this go back and forth between IndyCar team owners and the media in history, yes. right? I mean, it, it, you go back to Dan Gurney's white paper, right? This started cart. Um, <laughs> this, this feels like the, the next step in all of that, unfortunately. It's just amazing that for decades, you've said, man, if the team owners, team owners would just stop griping things will get a lot better. And now they're, they don't gripe. There's nothing out there. Like what does Roger Penske have on these team owners? Are we missing something? I just, I don't understand why they're so afraid of him. They've already taken his leaders, their leadership circle money, a thousand dollars last year. What are they going to do? They're going to, so they find him $50,000 for speaking out. Most of them, it's a drop in the bucket, Yeah, but it would show solidarity within the paddock and at least a pushback to what's going on. But for some reason, just the muzzle has been put on team owners. And since when did that ever work? Well, th- here's a thing. So Nathan Brown uh, had a, a good column in the Indy Star talking about, and it's it's a column. It's not it's yeah. not a news story. It's a column. But it's a good write up. And he also mentioned uh, these other elements, saying Iowa thousands of tickets given away to look somewhat full. The all-star race at Thermal. Ticket prices rival Vegas. And Thermal, they haven't started the marketing effort. Tickets have been on sale for a bit. They're supposed to ramp up marketing here in the next couple weeks, according to Marshall Pruitt. Well, the reason they're ramping up marketing is because they're not selling tickets. Not selling, exactly. And then Milwaukee, things have failed before. Uh, Obviously, we mentioned motorsport games. We mentioned this Honda story. Um, The hybrid delay. Like All these things are piling up. Eventually, it becomes an enough-is-enough situation. But... When you look at the team owners, like you said, if they all come out in solidarity, I mean, what if they say, yeah, we're not racing a thermal. What, what's, what's Penske? They can't afford to not have everyone right. show up and it just be three or four Penske cars. Like they, they literally can't afford that. I, I feel and that is where they can make a power play. If this really gets that bad, which I don't think it will, I no. think it's the off season well, because you're hurting your sponsors as much yeah. as anything. You can't say you're protesting and going to sit out races, but you can at least go out there and say, Hey, something's got to change because how many times throughout history have team owners come out and say, Hey, something's got to change. And sometimes they say, Hey, something's going to change and I'm going to lead the way. Mm-hmm. And yet there's nothing. I, I'd be fascinated to know 
because I, you keep hearing it from from reporters that hey they're too scared to speak out but why are they scared like what what's the threat what is the threat to make chip ganassi as outspoken of a team owner as you'll find in indycar keep his mouth shut and michael andretti and bobby ray hall zach brown and zach brown well like, look, look, zach brown is part of mclaren a global brand why is he afraid of roger penske like what does does roger penske have against these guys well and i don't necessarily think these guys are afraid they're just waiting for the right time to speak are, but is we'll it now see. is it now the time i mean maybe once yeah. we get through the holiday break get into the new year but if not now when because now you're having off-season s- suppliers speak <laughs> speak you know mm-hmm. we haven't even talked today about the, the hybrid delay right well uh, we talked about it last week yeah but i mean i'm, I'm saying we, we almost forget about that because of the new Honda stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just one thing after another, and it's just complete silence from the top. Uh, one other note on all this that I find fascinating, John Oriovitz, uh, Indy Oreo on uh, Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it these days. Historic IndyCar timeline. June of 2001, Honda puts cart on notice after sudden rule change. September 2001, Honda says it will leave cart end of 2002. April 2002, Honda execs say we won't be in any American racing in 2003. May of 2002, Honda announces 2003 IRL program with partner Ilmore. So again, mm. just a way to take all this with a grain of salt. Well, with partner Ilmore, what it says. True, so true. Could we still soon see a repeat? And, and that is the easy solution for the short term. But what? what but then long term, be like, we're not doing that. I mean, maybe. I mean, think about that's more business for them. Yeah, but it's more money lost. Unless unless the core... Um, but they would be the sole engine supplier. And then you just have engines branded as Honda know, or Chevy. I know, but, but if, if, the, if the... If 13... Let's say if 13 engines loses you um, $5 million, then 27 engines is going to lose you double that. So why would Ilmore agree to something? That's why the core... The core core plan has to change well and also does that mean you you raise the cost for engine leases because they're already what like 1.2 million roughly well they make it 1.5 like I, and this I is know. an interesting point too because for so long people have worried about um passing the costs onto the teams because they're terrified of teams leaving or at least car count reducing you're at 27 i've said it before you could shrink this thing to 21 22 and you're not losing anything in terms of quality racing on the track, okay? So if you have to raise the money, the cost to the teams, and a couple teams say, hey, we have to drop a car or we can't compete, like, so be it. You're at 27 cars. You're at the max at most tracks that you go to, okay? You you achieve that. But you know what? If you go, shrink down five or six cars, in my opinion, you lose nothing in terms of your on-track product. And maybe that takes some of the pressure off your engine suppliers financially. And speaking of Ilmore, <laughs> let's talk about the hybrid units. Uh, units. Uh, Ilmore has been appointed as the service provider for IndyCar's oh, ERS shock. units. Yeah, n- no surprise going with someone in-house. So uh, they will take care of uh, a lot of this in terms of, again, Honda and Chevy still playing a role in part of this, and Ilmore will provide service for the units. Yeah. Makes sense. Bet, they'll, they'll basically... Again, think of maintenance, right? Maintenance yeah, for these units. That's really what that means. And it goes into technical details again above our heads. But uh, this is a way to have a, a kind of similar... Remember, like Cosworth Technologies, right? Does a lot of data stuff, like, for example, the steering wheels, right? So right. these partners like this, McLaren provides some other stuff. This is not a surprise. This is what IndyCar does. You work with your partners and you find something. Yeah, I just... Um... I guess that's fine. Yeah, just another responsibility for Ilmore. Oh, by the way, we're also going to ask you to make all 27 ice engines here in a couple years. <laughs> okay. We'll see if they agree to that. All right. Well, that's that's a look at the, the main things that happened in the last week. We would love to talk positive here on the podcast. There's not a lot of positive out there right now. Not right now. Like Even when people, I know we're, we're recording this on Friday morning, we're supposed to find out who the Foyt, one of the Foyt drivers is today, but I keep looking at it like, with the Honda news hovering over everything, it's just it's tough to care when the end game right now is on the horizon for Honda, unless things drastically change. 
yes. Things have to move forward, and, and we'll see what happens. Obviously, I don't expect much news to come out between now and the end of the year. Yeah, but maybe in, in January or even February. Have, have they confirmed they're testing at Thermal in the offseason? Is that confirmed? Uh, I think they've mentioned it, but I don't know if it's been confirmed yet. I think they said they were coming back for next year, but I don't know if we have dates yet. So that's kind of the next thing on the radar for IndyCar. All right. If you agree or disagree with us, and I'm sure there are opinions to go either way, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for the email list. It is free to subscribe. Uh, also, we have t-shirts and stickers for sale as well on there if you're a fan of the podcast. Uh, on social media, you can find us, IndyCar Podcast, Instagram, on Twitter, slash X, on Facebook, just search for New Track Record. And you can email us, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. And you can support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash new track record. Again, starting at just $1 a month to be a supporter. Thanks to Xavier, Rob and others for their support. And as always download the podcast and listen for free on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts mailbag time. And of course, a lot to dive into after a busy week of news items. And we go back to, Last week with some follow up on things in terms of <laughs> the hybrid units and, and where things are at, Which and was the n- negative kick of the butt last yeah, week. Yeah, uh, the, it's crazy that you had the hybrid story and then the Honda story came out a day later after we recorded. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're at. Double whammy. Uh, right now. Skyscraper Tree One on Twitter said, "I told you one leaves before one joins." Talking about the Honda news. No, it's- not ideal. No, I, I, we always, I, at least I always said it too. I'd be more concerned with one leaving than a third coming in. And here we are. Um, other notes on that, as far as Honda being out, uh, Jeremy from HBG said, any car needs to adopt an engine formula that can be, or is used in multiple other series. Uh, I mean, I like it in theory. The problem is that just doesn't work. Like well, it doesn't work def- in IMSA. And well, that's the one thing that you carry over. And you'd have to cars have more space. You'd have to redesign a chat. You'd have to have a new chassis. If you did that, that's the problem. And that then talks about investment from the IndyCar series, which they seem to refuse to want to do. No, you have to build an engine to our specifications that fits into an old ass car. Yeah. Uh, You posted this. and It's a great point. Uh, Honda to IndyCar. Why should we invest more and more money into the series? You have a billionaire owner that doesn't invest more money. That's, Great that's point. kind of what Honda's looking at. And, why, why do you keep asking us to invest yes. more and more when you're not investing more and more? Again, not investing into the series, investing into Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which they've sure. done a lot of, right? Yep. Probably $20, $30 million at yeah. least. But, Indi- but Honda could be like, yeah, you know what? We're going to do the same thing. We're only going to worry about the Indianapolis 500. <laughs> like You can figure out the other 16 events on your own, but we're just focusing on the 500 because that's effectively what the Penske Corp has done. Yeah. Uh, several replies to that uh transocean trojan said i know you guys talk about it all the time on the podcast and Binsky is a billionaire but doesn't want to spend his billions which never made sense to me because scared money doesn't make money how does he not understand this i he and i, I it's another text that i put out there a tweet that that roger Pensky, a billionaire at 86 years old lives more like a guy that or like a, an octogenarian that's living social security check to social security check that's really what it is. Um, I'm I'm not privy to, to to about his other business ventures, but basically with IndyCar, that's kind of what it looks like. Like you're just trying to make it check to check every month, but you're sitting on billions of dollars, yet you refuse to spend it. It's somebody that that's complaining about, um, you know, the price of the his prescription that went up four dollars a month, and how's that going to fit into his budget when he has billions of dollars? And part of, yeah, that's how you get there. But also at the same time, like, what are you doing? You don't have much time left. Okay. So why not go out with a bang and spend millions and millions and millions of dollars to resurrect a series? And Rob underscore McMahon replying to that with a gift that says that makes sense to me. Uh, Aaron J. Richmond, Pinsky lost on the original investment after not being able to sell tickets to the 2020 Indy 500. He's been trying to recoup his losses ever since. It's a great point. But we said, come out and say that. Like, 
as part of the plan for IndyCar going into the next three to five years. Explain that to us. Silence doesn't help. Doesn't help anybody. And it's not just with the public. It seems like it's silence within the paddock as well. Also, Indy Oreo sounds like a good podcast topic. Yeah, well, that's where we're at. Uh, Scuba Steve 85. I remember 15 years ago when the series switched to E100 ethanol and it was a huge story because they were one of the first major series to do so. Now they can't even catch up to most series with hybrid tech. It's sad, really. Yeah, they're it is what it is. They're going to be 15 years behind F1 in hybrid technology when the hybrids come online. Assuming they come online in 2024. 2024. <laughs> Think about that. 15 years. That's an eternity. They had in automotive energy technology. recovery systems in F1 in 2000, what, eight or nine? Nine. Uh, just, just wild. Yet we're supposed to get excited about hybrid technology when you're 15 years uh, late to the party. Uh, BK Hickey said they're not wrong. Poet Shevchenko. I don't think it's a coincidence that this news comes after the video game de facto cancellation and the hybrid delay. Basically, Honda saying IndyCar, if you aren't going to do anything, you better make it cheap at least. I agree. It's a good tweet. Jay Blasteri, what are major accomplishments made by Penske Entertainment over the past two years? Iowa doubleheader, moving Detroit GP to downtown. We have a Milwaukee doubleheader next year to look forward to. Lost the Texas race, arguably the best race in 2023 accomplishments are thin. You could throw in Nashville, but that was in theory pre Penske. Cause that had already been in the works. Right. I mean, they got to the finish line. So yeah, it, it is an excellent point. All the stuff that I think people thought, which was third OEM, the hybrids, the new engines, which we now have no third OEM. The hybrids have been delayed multiple times. The engines are staying the same. Oh, and the car is also staying the same. No movement there. And just think about when Penske bought the series and the track and, and people were over the moon because they said, here's somebody that has the financial power to really change the game for IndyCar. Because for so long, it was getting by with not a lot of money and losing money, quite frankly. Finally, you had somebody that could take some risks that had the ability to shoulder some financial load in the short term to make things better in the long term for the series. That has not happened. And quite frankly, I don't know if it was ever going to happen even without COVID. I don't know. I, I, I highly doubt it because the further we get removed from COVID, and let's be real, yeah, he lost a lot of money in 2020, but Roger Penske can afford to lose a lot of money. He can afford to lose $20 million. Okay. Kind of where it's at. Not many people could. Not many corporations could. That's why we talk about Project Penske is saving the series and saving the Indianapolis 500, et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't mean he gets a pass. And the further removed we are from that, the more and more responsibility he has to take on at where the series is right now is, is quite frankly, floundering more than it has, in my opinion, over the last decade. Uh, this from Transocean Trojan, uh, replying to last week's episode. Uh, it's a the screenshot from Seinfeld of George on the floor in his underwear in Jerry's apartment. Jerry walked in, standing at the door, and uh, Kramer staring at George from the couch. <laughs> and you want a hundred million dollar TV rights deal? And Kramer's F one Xfinity Cup IMSA. Uh, Jerry is NBC, ESPN, CW, and then George on the floor is IndyCar. Uh, that was pretty funny. I did uh, like that. Poet Shevchenko, I've seen some posters defending the delay saying, I don't want reliability to affect the result. When is IndyCar? No, racing in general, not been at least partially about reliability. Uh, I agree with the with the text. I don't have a problem with delaying the, the, the hybrid. The, I have a problem with how it got to this point. Yeah. I also still have a problem with putting it in play mid-season. Yes. I don't like that. I still am pushing back to say that doesn't happen till the end of the season. Yeah. It, it doesn't because it's not like you have the Indianapolis 500 and then you have a two week break. You have two races after that. You can't say we're racing without the hybrid this Sunday. And then when we start practice five days from now at uh, where they go Detroit, that they're going to have the hybrids in there. Yeah. Like there's, that's not realistic, especially because what are you going to do? You're going to ask teams throughout the month of May that, Hey, you guys also need to uh, mess around with these hybrids because uh, they're going to go online after this, right? No, everybody's going to focus on the 500. Who cares about the hybrid at that point no. in May? So just another 
trust us like that's like not happening in ohio later. maybe like a few races later after, uh, i mean you need at least a one week break i mean yeah. you have no break after the 500 you have back-to-back race weekends so and by then you have what five six races to go then you're kind of like well what's the point so i still say 2025 for the hybrid this from run underscore mark underscore run i hope the boys are visited by three ghosts this week ray haroon Joseph Newgarden and future 500 champ Connor Daly. Okay, two of those three guys are alive, so how are their ghosts visiting I mean, us? if they appear outside the studio right now, <laughs> we would invite them in, particularly Connor Daly. It is his birthday today, I That's believe. That's true. On Friday. Uh, to, but saying to help restore their faith in the series and finish the year on a positive note. Hey, we could still get some positive news for next week's episode, which would be our final episode of 2023. You never know. I think if you put the uh, microphones down and know that these guys are not going to be on the record or anything and they would speak candidly, but unfortunately they're not allowed to. They, they can't. There, there's, this, there's this weird power that Penske Corp has over everyone that forces the um, team owners that are, that if, if one of them's not mutinous, then you feel like the series isn't doing something right. All of them are just silent. They're terrified. For what reason? I'm not sure. Several other tweets, uh, both of these from Plan Spades. You know, I have to wonder as an IndyCar fan who is quickly becoming a NASCAR IMSA fan only, what does the series still have to offer to the fans? I'd like to hear the elevator pitch you guys would give, and you can't use good racing. Um, uh, it, to me, it's not about the racing. It's the fact that it is the premier open-wheel series in North America that races on large ovals, short ovals, street courses, road courses, is an international series with with drivers from what over a dozen countries around yeah. the world, and provides and one of the premier races with one of the premier in the races world. in the world. Yes. I mean that's the pitch. Oh, without mentioning good racing, yeah, but and on track passes for a long time. It used to say the most diverse schedule in the world. I don't think so. Cup is more diverse now. You go to super speedways. You go to mile and a halfs. You go to short tracks. You had dirt outside of of that's ending of course at mm-hmm. Bristol you have street courses you have road courses yep that is a more diverse schedule more diverse uh calendar oh and you race in a coliseum an arena with the clash that is a more diverse schedule than IndyCar has now so you can't use that anymore either uh plain spades adding this series is so redacted <laughs> <laughs> potentially having to resort to tactics the truck series has to rely on yeah, and then this from S2000 underscore Moose. Is it just me, but with the two Chuck Shifsky statements, it seems Honda is playing 3D chess while Pinsky plays checkers. Yes. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. Um, I, I do think, though, it's a good point with, with, with Truck Series. That said, you look at the ratings and it's pretty comparable, uh, especially Xfinity Series. So maybe we should really look at reality and say, is IndyCar really competing against F1 and Cup, or is it, or is it, it really competing against the Xfinity series and the Truck series? And if you well, look at the viewership with the, with the TV deal that Xfinity, which I'm sure will which be is rebranded, exponentially more money than yeah. it, it, that IndyCar is getting. That's the competition, not even NASCAR Cup. Yeah, so you can try to sell, hey, we're competing with Formula One or at the very least Cup, but based on people watching. You're more in line with Xfinity and Truck Series. All right, that wraps up. Uh, oh, actually, wait. A couple other entries I want to get to. I forgot. We got uh, a message via Facebook. Uh, this from John. Just listening to the podcast for the first time. Very good. Well, thank you. Uh, I believe there are some changes needing to be made. Road courses are fine, but there are too many. I'll bring back the Triple Crown. Also, I think you need another 500-mile race. Why not Pocono again? Also, I would race on the Oval again at Indy in August instead of the road course. You can make it the Holman 400, 160 laps. My wife and I went to our first Indy 500 in 2023 and plan on making it an annual occurrence. We would go to the 400-mile oval race as well in August if they did it. Have the Indy 500 as your first race in the Triple Crown. Pocono 500 as the second. Then Holman 400 as the final race. I believe this would generate huge interest. The problem is IndyCar can't water down the Indy 500 with another race on the oval. Um, yeah, also, I mean, in we've... August, think about the Brickyard 400. People complain about the right. heat. They're going to complain about the heat for... Just... I don't. I don't race. think it's going to be a draw. I mean, we talked about the. the I agree the with triple, Pocono. Yeah, we talked about the Triple Crown before. 
I just don't see that as being a big seller unless you're throwing huge money behind it um, in terms of the Triple Crown. I don't think you get you add a, a lot adding another oval. It's just, like you said, another watering down of the event. So appreciate listening. Hopefully you stick with us. I just uh, I don't see that as when we talk about game changers for IndyCar, and that's really where they need to think, it's not a game changer. And I think it actually dilutes other events on your schedule, including your crown jewel. Also this from Ron from North Carolina, uh, weekly listener. Can't recall you ever listing Liberty Media as one of your <laughs> one of your new Patreon supporters. We were taking last week's pod. It sure sounded like F1 PR talking points. Come on, guys. This is an IndyCar all caps podcast here. If Ryan Day is going to try and say it's Ohio State against the world, everyone listening to this podcast knows it's IndyCar against the world. Uh, let's try to maintain his perspective of positivity around the series about the series. Justin, was this before or after the Honda news came out? <laughs> this was uh, after, I believe. Really? Um, goes on to say that we've addressed that. Wow. Last week or two has been one bad story after another. And the best thing you can say is at least DHL is staying in the series. And we'll get to that in a bit and not leaving. That's bad. You guys asked the question, what has Roger Penske done? Which is completely warranted. I do not, not in all caps, believe it's time to start begging for someone else to buy the series, but I do feel that it's time to heavily scrutinize Jay Fry, Mark Miles, and other IndyCar brass. I'm sure team owners have a large role in some of the semantics as well. There have been too many bad decisions. I feel that these guys are going to completely screw up a new TV deal. How many more missteps can the series handle? Last thing I want to bring up was Honda's proposal to help contain IndyCar engine supply costs. This article was eye-opening. It's crazy to hear that Honda actually threw out the idea for Ilmore to be the sole provider of engines for the series. This has to usher in major changes to things, right? Especially when you hear that Honda may exit in 2026. This is a crazy time for the series. It sure seems some major changes are coming, no matter what. Let's just hope they're mostly positive. Right, Justin? <laughs> um, No, I think it's a lot of good points in there, but the one that, that does not fly with me is blaming Mark Miles and... And Jay Fry, think of it this way. Let's say you had two of the best players in the NFL, offensive players. Let's say you have Patrick Mahomes and um, Travis Kelsey, um, and they're playing on with an offense that is absolutely terrible. They're still really good at what they do, but the system they're trying to run or the plays they're trying to run, the strategies they're trying to employ are terrible strategies. You can't overcome it's, a bad offensive right. line. Yeah, that's kind of where I look with Jay Fry and Mark Miles is previously to the Penske Corp. They had a lot of good ideas. They had a lot of good things. Some missteps, particularly out of Mark Miles, I think, but that's you're not never going to bat a thousand. But now I think they're the same people with a lot of bright ideas and a lot of contacts and a lot of a, a, a lot of contacts. I mean, it was just a few short years ago. Everybody was like, man, we hope we don't lose Jay Fry to NASCAR or something. Right. And now all of a sudden with Penske coming in, these guys are effectively still what they used to be. But they have an incompetent ownership that's really holding them back. They are Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in an offense that is poorly run on a team that's poorly run. And that's kind of where I look at it with those two guys. So far, sorry, right now I have zero confidence in Penske Corp. Whatsoever. Starts at the top for me, I guess. And they're just, they're lackeys at this point. They're not willing lackeys, but they're lackeys. Let's just hope that March and before that February and before that January bring some positive. And I, I think we will see something now. I'm not expecting a third OEM to be announced, but if they switch to Ilmore as the sole, you know, engine provider as far as building the engines, and that works for Honda and that works for Ilmore. I mean, that is an easy way to attract not just one OEM, but multiple. But because costs would be contained. I know, but what's what's the draw right now for Toyota if it said, "Hey, you join the series, we'll give you Ilmore engines to run." What 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 what's the benefit in Toyota? If IMSA can find a way to figure this out, IndyCar surely can find a way but to figure it out. All of them have their own branded engines, right? Like they're building yeah. their own engines, right? Yes, they're not spec. So True. why why would Toyota decide? Yeah, because if. Again, I come back to eyes on product. If there were millions of people watching races, then they say, yeah, we'll run a spec engine and blast Toyota on it and run commercials because nobody's the wiser. They don't know. But there's not that many people watching. So what would be the draw for Toyota? It's a good point. You got to improve TV ratings. 
It is what it is. All right. Hey. Let's move on to news and notes and just a few items to get to as we wrap up this week. DHL switching to Ganassi as the primary sponsor for Alex Blow. So I thought, stupidly, maybe NTT Data comes back over. No. DHL leaving Andretti, which we already knew that. Um, and they go to Ganassi. So they stay in the sport. That's a good thing. Uh, and they will be the primary sponsor on Alex Blow's number 10 car for most, but not all, according to Marshall Pruitt, of the 17 races on the calendar so good to see them there it's a multi-year deal as well so always positive and the best part in all of this is the shots fired by dhl <laughs> oh yes on the move to ganassi and below a quote chance to compete at the front of the field in quote <laughs> ouch wow sorry Mc- sorry that's a uh, shot at andretti right across the bow. yes uh, i will say this groshan won some polls yes he wasn't finishing races but he was at the front of the field just couldn't stay at the front of the field uh yeah a bit missing but i think it's cool to see that uh staying with jamie chadwick too yes. with andretti i think that's the biggest thing that's cool and we've seen Chadwick in DHL colors, right, on the Apple commercial? Did she, or was yeah, it? Yeah, that was previous year's footage. But then she had the car in DHL colors without DHL on it in ah, testing. I, gotcha. I think that's what you're thinking of. But probably. Yeah, but, it, um, it's, it's positive. It's cool this is the year, though, that she needs to take that step. As yeah, last year was a, a learning year for sure in a lot of ways. And she even said it. Now you want to see that growth. but and, and you saw her make progress the second half of the season. But now she's yeah. got to be... Winning races, contending for the championship, I mean, to make that next Ooh, step. Contending for a championship, I, I think at year two, she at least needs to get on some podiums. Well, I, I don't I mean, know if she needs to win a championship. Can, I'm not saying she needs to win, but right, top but, three, four, five drivers, because there are going to be up potentially 20, 20 cars. Driver. Yeah, I don't know. Where'd she, I mean, where'd she finish in points last year? 13th, 14th, maybe? Um, I think 12th. it was a bit higher than I that. I would think I would think top six for me would be um good for Jamie Chadwick this year. Jamie Chadwick in twenty twenty three was let's see here. She finished twelfth. But twelfth. So she may needs to make a jump, I think, of at least five spots. Mm-hmm. Seven or above is what I'll say. All right, so good news there. Uh, uh, that was a concern, right? I think for a lot of people, is would she lose her ride? Uh, meanwhile, Callum Eilat has a ride, just not in IndyCar, as he has joined with the WEC, or WEC. This is apparently controversial to call it WEC. Oh, really? on social media. Uh, but the WEC hypercar season with Joda, Team Joda, uh, he remains open to a super sub role, but the Joda, Joda Porsche hypercar squad and he'll compete with them and this coming in just a bit ago, but this is pretty cool. One of his teammates will be Jensen button who will ah. also be part of that Porsche hypercar squad with Joda as well ah. in 2024 hypercar technology. What, what a, what a concept, you know, investing in something that's exciting and people gravitating towards it. Investors, OEMs, pretty cool. Huh? Take notes. Penske Corp. <laughs> Chip Ganassi calls Alex blows. Um, Legal dispute with McLaren. This is just a little speed bump along the way. Did he say that when he was leaving Ganassi to McLaren? Just saying. (laughs) Probably not. Probably a more sizable speed bump. But hey, chip one in the end with him. Yes, that's true. Pato Ward, a couple of news items. Uh, He signed a deal with Range Media Partners, uh, which is apparently a pretty big deal that got a a write-up on deadline. Mm, I Um, did see that. So that is pretty big. They've represented, um, obviously, a lot of people in sports. And so this is a, a, a pretty big deal for Pato because this will just continue to help him get more press, more publicity. And then Pato speaking out, talking about uh, the differences in, in working practices in Formula 1 and IndyCar, saying that the time it takes to adjust, he said, I see myself here is an F1. And I get any car fans get upset anytime he has something to say about this, but look, he's speaking his mind. He said, any car is my home and coming to F1 weekends. He says he still feels like an outsider. Obviously that, that'll change with this reserve program that he's now a part of with McLaren, but he's speaking his mind and I, it's hard to really disagree with him on a lot of these things that he said over the last couple of weeks, just trying to, 
trying to make some progress and saying like, look, I'm an IndyCar driver and like no one knows who I am in the U.S. Nope. I mean, we talked about that. Anybody who gets upset is just silly to me. If, if any of us in whatever field we in, we are in, whatever career field we're in, had an opportunity to reach the pinnacle of our profession, you would not shoot that down. And that's what Formula One is, particularly in open wheel racing, is the pinnacle of your profession. And anybody who scoffs at wanting to go to Formula One, take, take the money completely out of it, which is a big part of it, is if anybody had the opportunity to get to the pinnacle of your profession, you will do it in a heartbeat. I just don't have time for people that criticize aspirations of drivers, wherever they want to go. You know what? If, if Joseph Newgarden said tomorrow that his aspiration is to run full-time in, in NASCAR, then that's his prerogative. That's, yeah. him. that's his life. That's what, what, what he wants to do. It's not us to criticize. We'll be upset. We'll be disappointed. But it's not us to decide. He's accomplished everything you really can in IndyCar. So what, you know, Who's, what's mean, holding him back? I mean, besides d- Roger Penske. If you have that conversation with him, you may be able to convince him. Because, yeah. yeah, what else does he have to prove since he's won the 500? Correct. Uh, and speaking of Penske, IndyCar still looking at a version of NASCAR's charter system, which would be similar to the old cart structure teams. Uh, had at play right up on racer.com. The leader circle has been in play since 2005, going to the top 22 cars, but nothing is imminent according to this as far as charters and franchises, but they're still looking. This would though mean, and this is where I think it's tricky. It would essentially mean that the top 22 or whatever are protected in the Indy 500, right? right? The, it's kind of like the 25 yeah. eight in a way. Which we've heard rumblings on Roger Penske kind of being in favor of that as protecting the full-time drivers in the, in the 500. This just seems like years and years and years away. Yes. I mean, there's more pressing issues that we've covered the last couple of weeks uh, with IndyCar than the charter system. Meanwhile, IndyCar nearing confirmation, second season for 100 Days to Indy uh, from Marshall Pruitt uh, that debuted on the CW. Uh, Mark Miles saying they will soon announce two things. One, international distribution for season one, which is big. And then two, arrangements for season two. Uh, Not 100% done yet, but they're excited about continuing into season two. And some some numbers combined. The six episodes generated over 1.1 million viewers during their premieres. Uh, Average audience, 193,500 views per debut episode. And then more views, of course, on streaming and repurposing the episodes on vice TV. Obviously I don't think vice TV would return as the streaming distributor. So that's part of it. Uh, miles also didn't say whether the second season would remain on the CW. Um, but the same production team would return to make the next installment. So that's a positive. I still have questions on did, did has anybody become a fan of, of IndyCar that wasn't a fan before of the 1.1 million people that watched or views or whatever were any of them uh, not fans of IndyCar before because that's the purpose of this series I didn't watch the entire series full disclosure I didn't watch the whole thing but knowing that it's not shouldn't be for me it should be for people that are more casual fans of IndyCar I still wonder did it did it achieve what it was supposed to achieve in the sense to bring in people that otherwise weren't watching the sport and I don't have an answer for that. I don't know if anybody does. Yeah. Uh, Detroit tickets on sale. So there you go. Detroit uh, will be back May 31st through June 2nd, 2024. So First tickets. race with the hybrid engines, supposedly. Yeah, allegedly. We'll DetroitGP.com. Also, Joseph Newgarden. This is going to happen, unfortunately, today. Um, but his face will be unveiled on the Borg Warner Trophy. Uh, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern time today as we record on December 15th. I'm sure he will look very snazzy. Yes, and then congrats to Augustine Canapino, who got engaged. Congratulations. So congrats to him. And no no news from Foyt, so we'll apparently have that uh, for next week. All right, well, we'll have something next week. Let's Let's hopefully... We can get into next week, week before Christmas, and not have another Sky is Falling show. <laughs> All right, and that leads us to our random split air driver of the week. All right, we're going to the 1996 IRL season, and we've picked this almost clean. 
with random split error drivers of the week, but you can always find uh, just one more. And we're going with a guy that had a single race that season. And we're going with a guy that raced with Project Indy, Mr. Rob Wilson. Did not qualify for the 1996 Indianapolis 500. He did not. And was a guy that's from uh, Auckland, New Zealand. Ah, Kiwi. Yes, Kiwi. And did uh, Formula Racing, uh, British Formula Ford. He did some NASCAR as well. But it was 1991 with Stuart Moore racing in Indy Lights, 94 with Team Lizy in Indy Lights, and then 1996 with Project Indy. Did not qualify, as you mentioned, for the 1996 Indianapolis 500. And that was it. It was one and done for Mr. Rob Wilson. And that 96 500 rookie of the year. He was also on pole. Tony Stewart. Correct. Buddy Lazier won the race and did not make the race. Rob Wilson elsewhere raced in the Bush series in 1995, 1997 with a couple uh, starts there and did some Bush North series from 24 hour Le Mans, 12 hours of Sebring really got into endurance racing after he was done in IndyCar uh, outside racing. He was a racing instructor at Skip Barber Bart racing school. We've had Skip Barber on the show and driver coach for many aspiring drivers, including Juan Pablo Montoya, Kimi Raikkonen, Marco Andretti, Lance Stroll, Valtteri Botas, Nikita Mazepin, uh, Valentino Rossi, among the drivers Wilson has trained over the years. Wow. What a list. Yeah, right? He's also <laughs> an avid musician, plays bass guitar in his time with the 1970s pop band Edison Lighthouse. I think you have the original LP for <laughs> Edison Lighthouse. Wait, he plays in that band? He did play. He did play? In that okay. band. He played bass guitar in the band's number one record, Love Grows, and the song was number one for five weeks in the UK singles chart. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. They're in 1970s? They During his time with the 1970s okay. band, Edison Lighthouse. So I've actually heard that song before, like many times. Really? Yes. He was part of the, uh, he played bass guitar with that band in the 70s. He's currently part of the uh, rock band Grand Prairie. But a dude that had plenty of success outside of the seat. Um, let's see. He won races in endurance race and sports car racing as well, which we talked about that. He completed in the 2007 24 Hours of Daytona, and he raced in Brit Car and British GT after that for the last several years. But and uh, his uh, his lone entry into the Indy 500, uh, he was racing in 1993 built equipment in he, 1996. Yes, that he failed <laughs> to qualify. Third fastest non qualifier of a total of ten non qualifiers in '96. Now, Project Indy, that was the only year they ever made the field. Who but made the field for it. them in, in that race? Uh, Johnny Unser. Okay. And they didn't even start the race because of a mechanical. It did not start due to a broken transmission. So Project Indy, um, as storied, quote unquote, as it is, never started in Indianapolis 500 and only qualified once. But anyway. Part of Project Indy, Mr. Rob Wilson, this week's Random Split Era Driver of the Week. All right, that wraps up this week's episode. We'll talk about the Foyt Driver announcement and any other news that comes down in IndyCar, hopefully positive. Good next news week. only next week, we promise. Yeah, next week and the final episode of 2023 here on New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.